the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. We'll be looking at 2 Kings chapter 4, and there's a story here in 2 Kings 4 that's so vital to us understanding this miracle. And I'll read portions of it as we work our way through. But let me share with you the first thing that I want you to note out of four major lessons I believe we can learn from this passage today. The first thing I want to remind you of is this, that God is a God who actually rewards people who live faithfully and give faithfully. God rewards faithful living, and God rewards faithful giving. Really, the start of the story, as we'll read in just a moment in 2 Kings chapter 4, is the story of a lady who was very faithful to God. She loved God. She served God. She lived for God. She was a giving sort of person. And because of that, that put her in a position to receive a miracle from God. Let me start the story for you in 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll begin in verse number 8. One day, Elisha, this is the prophet Elisha, by the way, we're looking at the miracles that God performed through him. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. Now, Shunem was a little village, uh, kind of up the middle part of Israel in the Jezreel Valley, uh, heading toward the north of Israel. So it's a small little village there. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. So each time he would pass through that territory, he would go to this lady's house, his family's house. She, this lady, said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. And so you see, she wanted to do something for the man of God, Elisha. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite, that is called this lady. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said she has no son and her husband is old. What I want you to see about this lady is that she was a lady, as I mentioned a moment ago, who really loved God. She obviously loved God because she was providing a place for this man of God. She was spiritually hungry. So evidently when Elisha would come by, Elisha would teach the word of God. Elisha would share the things of God with this family. And she used her resources. She was a well-to-do lady, but she used, used her resources to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And she's demonstrating this amazing sense of, of faithfulness in her living and faithfulness in her giving and faithfulness in her character, faithfulness in who she was as, as, as she lived her life. There was something about her that was different. She was a quality person. She truly had a commitment to God. And this lady's commitment, this lady's care about the things of God, it actually set her up for the miracle that we're going to read about in just a moment. Now, I want to say something very, very quickly here, but, but also very, a very important statement. Any, any dimensions of life, how we live life, we don't live in such a way to earn the blessings of God. You can never earn God's blessings. You can't work your way toward a miracle and be good enough to get a miracle from God. Every miracle of God is always a miracle of grace and kindness from God to us, so we don't earn those things. But we can position ourselves to receive blessings from God. 
This is exactly what was happening in this person's life, this lady's life. She was living in such a way that unbeknownst to her, her living was setting her up to receive a blessing from God. She was not even anticipating this blessing, but again, her living and her giving positioned her for something that God desired to do in her life and promised, eventually you'll see here, promised to do for her. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which points us to this reality that God rewards faithful living and giving. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's faith. Then it adds this, and that, notice this, he rewards. If you're circling notes on your uh, words on your notes there, circle that phrase, he rewards. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is a rewarding God. Again, we don't earn the favor of God. We don't earn the grace of God. We don't earn miracles from God, but God does watch the way we live our lives, and it pays to live a godly life. Now, no one's perfect. No one's going to always do everything right. We always miss the mark. We're all, we have a sinful nature that often shows up in the way that we're living our lives, but what we want to be is people who are pursuing this, this, this pathway of living the best life that we can live before God, loving Him and serving Him faithfully in our giving and our living and everything that we do, because God rewards faithful living, and God rewards faithful giving. This lady, without even knowing it, was setting herself up for a miracle by the way that she lived her life, the care that she showed for the things of God's kingdom. The second thing that I want you to note from this story is that God understands our hidden pain. This lady, she's wonderful, she's godly, she loves the Lord with all of her heart, and although she has this amazing sense of commitment to God and helping the prophet Elisha in, in his own life and his ministry, she still was suffering from some pain in her own heart. Let's go back to the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'll read verses 14 through 16. Here, there's this question asked by Elisha because he wants to bless her for the way she's been so kind to him and his servant. So he asked the question, what can be done for her? Elisha asked, Gehazi, that was the servant of Elisha, said, she has no son and her husband is old. Notice that phrase. Gehazi, the servant, had noticed something about this lady, that she had a, an older husband who more than likely could not necessarily produce children, and she was obviously younger than her husband, and so she has no son, and that's a pain point in her life, and she's dealing with this disappointment of not having a child. Then Elisha said, call her, so he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. So now Elisha says, I'm prophetically speaking to you, lady, that something's going to happen in your life that is a miracle. You're going to have a son. Now, you would think that this lady would have rejoiced immediately in, in, in this declaration and this promise. But notice what she says. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. It's quite interesting that this lady responds in this way. She says, don't, don't mislead me. When she said, don't mislead me, there's a clue there for us. There's something that we need to, to understand about this lady, what she was going through. The reason she says, please don't mislead me, is because she did not want to have her hopes raised and then dashed again. Evidently, throughout her life, there had been moments when her, her hopes had been raised that she would somehow have a child, and then the hopes had been dashed again. And now here comes Elisha, the man of God, prophesying, saying, here, you're going to have a son. And she says, no, don't, don't, don't lift my hopes again. Don't, don't let me have any false expectations that will only disappoint me. So she's very, very cautious. You know, people who've been deeply disappointed in life will oftentimes be very cautious with their hopes and with their expectations. See, this lady had a lot of money, but she was short on family. She, had, she did not have a child, and she didn't complain to Elisha about it. She didn't bring the problem to, to, to him, but it's clear that in her own heart, she longed for a child. She had a hidden pain that no one knew about except God. 
And Elisha again says to her, notice verse 16, about this time, next year, you'll hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord. Again, she's objecting. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Don't raise my hopes. Don't cause me to be disappointed once again. Don't cause me to have dashed expectations. I would imagine that there's some of you who are watching today that, that you're living in that kind of life. There's some hidden pain in your heart, and your hidden pain is associated with some disappointments in your, in your life. You've lost some hope along the way. Maybe you had a hope and expectation for something, and, and it's been delayed. It hasn't come yet. You've hoped and hoped and hoped, and you're kind of running out of hope now because it just hasn't happened. Or maybe your hopes were just completely destroyed or completely disappointed. You'd hoped that something was going to transpire, and it just came to a terrible end, and it felt like everything in life you'd hoped for had been denied. Maybe that's you today. That's where this lady was. She said, don't raise my hopes. I, I don't want to be disappointed again. I cannot take another disappointment. The writer of Proverbs points to the, to the reality of what happens to us when our hope is diminished or destroyed. In Proverbs 13, verse 12, he says, hope deferred, hope put away, hope that hasn't been realized. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. When our hopes are deferred, our hearts become sick. There's hidden pain in people who've gone through deep disappointments in life. So what are we learning from this lady? We're learning, number one, that, that it does pay to live a, a, a godly life. She's a godly person. She has a commitment to God. She's giving her, her resources to the kingdom of God. But nevertheless, she had hidden pain inside of her. The third thing I'd like to share with you today is that miracles began with the recovery of hope. This is a beautiful story. See, hope is a very powerful quality. We don't talk about it very much, but I think we have a false concept sometimes of what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is different from just sort of crossing your fingers and saying, well, I hope it's going to happen. No, biblical hope is a very deep, th deep thing. It's actually a spiritual thing that resides inside of you. It's a very real force that fuels faith, that when you have hope, you have a resource that produces faith in your life. When you don't have hope, it's hard to muster up any kind of faith. And so hope is the fuel that gets our faith going. It's like the, it's like the kindling, if you will, to get our faith going. And hope is really an anticipation of good. Hope points us to a God that is good and a God who does good and a God who has given us good promises in our life. And that hope of who God is, his goodness and his good promises, again, inspires faith inside of us. That's why God wants to fill you with hope. You need hope. You need a supernatural supply of hope in your life, especially if you face some disappointments in life. I want you to look at three passages with me that point us to this importance of being filled with hope. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Maybe you know this verse, but listen to it again. But those who hope in the Lord, notice that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who hope in the Lord have a renewed strength. They soar like on wings like eagles. They run and they don't grow weary. See, when you and I lose our hope, we get very weary. We become very faint on the inside. When hope is miraculously restored, it turns that around. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, the prophet Jeremiah says this, The Lord is good, there's this goodness of God, to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Here's Jeremiah facing this demise of Judah, this whole nation of Judah that's now going to go into Babylonian captivity. But he says, I've got to keep my hope strong in God. There's a lot of things to be disappointed about, but I'm not going to yield to my disappointment. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. It's good to wait quietly to put your hope in the salvation of God. Paul the Apostle prayed a prayer for the believers at Rome, a prayer that is prayed for us as well. It comes from the heart of the Apostle Paul because he understood the power of hope. 
And he gives us these words in Romans 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may, notice this, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your power, but a supernatural power, a miracle of hope in your life. See, here was a lady that, she was a good lady, loved God, but she had some hidden pain. Her, her hidden pain was associated with deep disappointments in her life. She'd, she'd faced so many times of hoping she was going to have a child, and it just didn't happen. And so she didn't want her hopes raised anymore. But now she's a candidate for God's supernatural hope. You're a candidate today for the supernatural hope of God to come into your life. That hope that says, yes, God is good. And yes, God does do good things for people. And yes, God has good promises for my life. And that's the birthing point for a hope that then begins to yield a, a harvest of faith in your life that moves you forward with God and allows you to experience other kind of miracles in your life. See, every promise that God gives, hope is directed to a promise. And every promise that God gives is a good promise. And every promise God gives, that good promise is always fulfilled. If it comes from God, he, when he promises it, he will do it. Joshua, at the latter part of his life, before he's going to die and leave the nation of Israel that he's brought into the promised land, he's talking to all the people of Israel, and he makes a statement in Joshua 21, verse 45. He says, not one, not one, not even one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. This is the miracle of hope to believe that God is a good God, and God does good things for people. God has good promises for you in your life. And even though you've had some hopes dashed and disappointed, that today there can be that infusion of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can hope again. How does God rekindle our hope? What happens? How does he do this? God rekindles hope that is, first of all, consistent with his plan for your life. See, some of our hopes are not consistent with God's plans. There's some things that maybe you've hoped for, and the reason they haven't come to pass is because they were not going to be good for you, and they were not God's plan for you, and you have to trust that God's plan is always the best plan for your life. And so sometimes God doesn't fulfill our hopes because his hopes for us are actually better than our hopes for ourselves. And he calls us to that place where we can experience a higher dimension of hope for our life, his plan, his purpose, his guidance. And then God always rekindles hope that the devil has stolen from us. See, the enemy likes to steal away your joy, your peace, and your hope. He wants to take hope from inside of you, and God restores that. He rekindles hope that the devil has stolen. He rekindles that hope when you begin to pursue him and ask him for that refreshing of hope in your life, and he restores it through the promises of his word. But miracles always begin. Every miracle in your life always begins with the restoration or the recovery of hope in your life. For this lady to experience a miracle, she needed the recovery of hope. Her miracle was not going to happen until she had a recovery of hope. Her biggest miracle was not the birth of a son. Her biggest miracle was the recovery of her hope. Your biggest miracle today is not necessarily some event that you're asking God to do. The biggest miracle in your life today is the recovery of hope that God is good, that God does good things for people, that God does good things for nations, that God does good things for groups of people, that God does good things, and he has good promises for you in your life today. Let me lead you to my last point today. Hope is never needed just in a moment, but hope is needed for a lifetime. Every work of God in your life is a gift, everything that God does for you. It builds your faith, it increases your hope, but whatever God does for you today, whatever it is that he does for you today, is because he's going to build something. He's building a story in you for your tomorrows. So when God does something today, he is doing so so that you'll have more hope for tomorrow. Every promise that he fulfills in your life is a promise that leads you to a future that He's in store, that he has in store for you. 
you study the, the, the Old Testament, you'll see that the Israelites over and over again would often build memorials to remind them of miracles that God had done so that when they're facing another challenge, they can go back and look at the memorial and the memorial reminded them of how God came through for them in the past and how God will come through for them in the future. Now, in this particular story, let me go back to the story of 2 Kings chapter 4 and tell you what happened. It's an amazing story that, that occurs. And so after this promise is given, Elisha says to this lady, oh, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And indeed, she did. She had a son. By the time that Elisha visited, the next time she had given birth to a son, it was a miracle. Her hopes had been restored and rekindled, and she had a child. She had the son that she never thought she was going to have. And so there was a miracle of a birthing of a child, the conceiving and birthing of a child. God did something. He fulfilled a promise in her life. But then something happened. Several years later, something happened that was very disappointing again. And this is why I want you to see that God wants you to have hope not just for a moment, but that moment leads to a lifetime of hope. That whatever God does today, it's building you for whatever God will, will do or desires to do for you in your tomorrows. Because although this lady had an amazing miracle with the conceiving and the birthing of a son, several years later she faced another disappointment, another trial in her life. See, we have trials all throughout our life. And so as you get through one trial, today's trial and God coming through in today's trial will set you up for the, for the miracle that you'll have the next time a trial comes your way. So several years later, I'm not going to read the story for you. You can read it on your own as you continue in 2 Kings chapter 4 there. But let me quickly tell you the story and some lessons that we learned from it. Several years later, what happened was this little boy was out in the field with, with his father. and He gets a headache. He comes in. He actually dies. And so here's the, the death of a child that was a miracle. So miracle son now has died. Young man, he's passed away. The lady has the little boy put in the upper room, and so she runs to find Elisha and to find uh, uh, to invite Elisha to come back and have a conversation with Elisha about this situation so that Elisha can count now come on the scene and, and hopefully bring about another miracle. She's now facing another crisis. Her hope was restored the first time, and now she's facing another situation where she's having to dig into that hope again. Can God get me through this? God brought me through the last thing, but but can and will God get me through this? And so here's this second part of the miracle story. And so she goes to Elisha, and she pleads with Elisha, and Elisha comes back uh, to the scene, and, and eventually the boy is, is, is resurrected. It's an amazing story, and God comes through for this lady a second time. But here's what I want you to see. Why is it so important? Why is it so valuable? that you have the miracle of hope in your life because hope for today whatever God does for you today in this moment is going to give you strength for a lifetime that your miracle today your hope today and as God brings about his promises in your life today it's building a story of God in your life for whatever you'll face in the days to come hope is not just for a moment hope needs to be in you for a lifetime this amazing thing you see about people of hope in the Bible, because people of hope in the Bible are always, always poised. They're able to be ready for whatever is coming their way. There's, it doesn't mean things don't shake them, but they're, they're not shaken like the world. There's a poise to them. And they, people of hope are always actively pursuing God, like this lady did. She runs after Elisha, and, 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 and people of hope are persistent. Boy, they know how to just dig in there and be persistent in their prayers and persistent in pursuing God. And, and people of hope always make sure they have the right perspective on life. They keep the right perspective. God is always seen as a good God, a God who's able to come through. They hold on to that thread of hope. And the story ends with this amazing resurrection. This lady has now handed her son back again, and the hope that, she, that was restored the first time gave her the strength to walk through the second trial that she faced in her life and see God do a miracle again. One of the greatest things that can happen in your life today is not some event that happens, 
before the wonderful events happen in your life, you need the hope that they can happen. Some of you have lived a disappointed life. You've had great disappointments that you've not been able to overcome or get past beyond. You feel like life has denied you of certain opportunities and certain situations and certain blessings. And I want you to know today, all of us, all of us experience the disappointments of life from time to time. Don't raise my hopes again. This is the lady in the story. Don't tell me I'm going to have a son. Don't tell me this, Elisha, unless it's going to be true. We've all had our hopes dashed by life's circumstances. But God comes in in a fresh way and he begins to remind us, I know where your hidden pain is just like you knew the hidden pain of this lady. I know where your disappointments are. And he steps into the disappointed places of our life. He says, the first miracle that I want to do before I do an outward miracle, I want to do an inward miracle. And the first miracle that I want to do is I want to restore your hope. I want you to recover hope that I am a good God, that I do good things for people, that I have good promises for you. I want your hopes to be raised again, your expectations to be lifted again, that I can do good things in your life. And when I give you that hope, And I produce those miracles and I do those things in your life. Remember, it's not just for a moment. It's not just for that moment. I'm building a story in your life, a story of hope, so that when you go from one challenge to the next, living hope will go with you. It will anchor your soul that you'll be able to draw on the resources of a treasure chest of hope in your life. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.